I encourage everyone to take a moment and breathe and take a tea cheers with a Jiri tea. A Jiri tea recognizes the beauty in shared stories and shared opportunities. Ajiri sources award-winning tea from Kenya, employs women in the region to handcraft the labels, and sends 100% of the profits back to the region to support orphan education. Save 10% on your order of Kenyan teas and coffee with the code BEAUTIFULLYHUMAN at ajiritea.com. A-J-I-R-I-T.com. Tea mugs up! Hello, and welcome to the Beautifully Human Podcast. I'm Nick Sheesby. In this podcast, I speak with beautiful humans from all around the world, sharing with you their incredible stories, revealing the power in every human story to spread love and humanity to a world that is in desperate need of it, to show that we can all connect in beautiful ways, no matter where we come from or what we look like. What you will find out is that we are all beautifully human. Let's all be beautifully human. Hello again and welcome to the Beautifully Human Podcast from wherever you are listening in the world. Thank you for joining us today. I have an amazing guest from Copenhagen, Denmark. His name is Ronnie Abergel and he is the founder of The Human Library. You can find it at thehumanlibrary.org and you will want to check it out after you hear the story and what they are up to. It's really incredibly beautiful. Ronnie is such a well-spoken and just a really beautiful human. Um, I really am thankful that he took the time to chat with me and share his passion with you and with me. Uh, If you enjoy this podcast, follow along on Spotify, follow along on Instagram at the Beautifully Human Podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It helps get these stories out to more people. And as always, enjoy this conversation. So I love to start these off with a very broad and overarching question and let you run with it and see where the story goes and just say, tell me the story of your life, Ronnie. Oh, really? <laughs> That's yeah. a great start. Yeah. Well, the story of my life is a uh, is a long one, and I and I think we only have an hour. So, <laughs> but the short version is, I'm a I'm a guy from Denmark. I grew up uh, mostly in Copenhagen and uh, had a stint uh, to live in um, New Milford, Connecticut, for a year. I'm a journalist of background and a father of two. And many years ago, I got involved in my, uh, you could say, in community work, mostly peer group education uh, with young people. Uh, one of my friends were stabbed, and I, um, I helped start an organization here called Stop the Violence. And I ended up working there for more than seven and a half years. And during the course of that work, I got the idea for the Human Library. Hmm. Um, to create a safe space um, where, you know, we could um, engage and learn and dismantle fear and potentially in this way stop violence was the original thought you could say is if I don't fear uh, the guy next to me, I'm not going to, you know, um, I'm not going to, for example, bring a knife with me because I don't see any threats. So I don't expect I'm going to have to protect myself. 
which was a big problem back in the 90s and early 2000s here. Young people arming themselves because they thought other people were armed and they were aware of certain threats in their community. So we thought, you know, creating good relations could potentially dismantle some of that. So that's part of my journey is then, you know, going from stop the violence and then uh, getting my education in place, uh, carried out some, uh, some, uh, you know, university years and did my degree in journalism and then nursed the little library to a place where it could uh, flourish and, and help and serve as many people as possible. Uh, you know? Okay. So basically uh, that's my, I don't know. That's not very detailed, but then again, <laughs> uh, not sure I want my whole life story out on Spotify somewhere. Yeah, you know? no worries. Um, I actually, I love Denmark. I actually lived in Fredericia for two months uh like two summers ago I, I lived with a good friend of mine over there and so i spent a lot of time coming back and forth between there and copenhagen and yeah i, I love i love that country nice i mean is, um, it's a couple hours from where we are now in copenhagen but it's a nice town yeah it was funny when i was moving there i thought that i would be living in copenhagen and then my buddy was like oh no i have it's a two-hour train ride and i was like oh Okay, so I just made the best of it. I was like, "All right." So as as much as I could, I I went back to Copenhagen. I actually, crazy enough, I learned how to drive manual in Copenhagen. I didn't know how to do it, which was you can drive the thick now. Yeah, well, it was incredibly. Yeah, something a lot of us already do from you know early on. Yeah. What what was horrifying for me was driving through the streets and trying not to stall out, hit anybody on bikes or walking. I was it was there were so many people walking and biking through there. Mm-hmm. We're big on bicycles, and it's makes the town a little more green and friendly. But you know, also some of the bicycles they're pretty good at it. They ride very fast. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. I I sat at a, a flat for a friend of mine, and she had a bike, and it was it was just a like a cruiser bike, and yeah, I was getting passed by so many people. I was just cruising along, and people were flying by me. Yeah, they're in a hurry sometimes on the <laughs> the bike paths here, but but I'm glad you got to meet, uh, or well, not meet, but sort of visit my country and uh, and my city too. And I have a similar story to you. I uh, I moved in with a nice family in Connecticut. And I heard that it was close to New York City. And I was about 90 minutes in a car from the city. Yeah. <laughs> so a little similar to your Frederica story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, I'm almost there, but I'm not really there. But yeah. I'm almost there. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, it was cool, too, because I got to go up to... Uh, Aarhus, I think you, I'm yeah. probably pronouncing it wrong, but no, that's close. Aarhus. Yeah, yeah, it was a cool city too. I loved, I loved the art museum up there. That was really neat. You went to Aarhus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Um, so once you started the the human library, talk to me about how it's grown and just like the whole concept of it. I I was turned on to it and I was just like, oh man, this is the coolest. This is so rad. 
it's it's just so needed so necessary talk to me about like how how it's grown and just like what what you're seeing as people come to it more and more well it's it's been my great privilege to be on this journey and um and it's been 21 years since we started wow. and it's just been an amazing journey it, obviously very slow the early years because many people well, they recognize the novelty of the idea and the, you know, the, um, the, the beauty. We're on the Beautifully Human podcast. The, 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 the human beauty of this whole idea of, of, you know, helping people become an open book and, and helping other people better understand the ways in which we're different. Uh, potentially finding common ground. Uh, maybe just agreeing to disagree and respect each other's right to be different which is equally important. We don't all have to be best friends, but we do need to find ways to, to you know, get along on this planet. Uh, there's only one race here, and that's the human race. And there's one other race that we could focus on would be the race to save our planet from, uh, from self-imploding here yeah. under, under, the pressure, under the pressure of our uh, demanding lifestyles and ideas of what we all should be or could or are entitled to have in our lives. So um, maybe if we all just calm down a little bit, uh, we could ease that pressure. Yeah. And maybe if we learn more about our fellow man, uh, we'd feel less fearful or anxious or apprehensive and could create more, you know, inclusive communities where we all benefit. So the, the library has really been uh, something that I have been able to give. I've uh, been blessed to be able to give a lot of time to help promote get out there in the world because it was an idea that really needed more than just to be an happening a happening in a festival yeah and it was a neat happening it was a great happening we had a wonderful time uh, 21 years ago at the festival but uh, and the response convinced us to do more but if you look around today it would seem that every community could benefit from having access to a human library book depot which is what we build locally in communities. You know, we create book collections that can help come out to schools, colleges, universities, festivals, all kinds of places, and create this safe space where it's possible to uh, explore, explore humanity, explore mankind, and not be judged. Because there are no stupid questions. There are no silly questions. There are only questions that are... Um, asked without respect and sincerity and you know those questions we don't uh sort of agree upon or don't like to see we like to see questions asked with sincerity and respect and then it doesn't matter what the question is about as long as it's on topic because that person volunteered yeah. and is ready to share with you what their take is no ultimate truth no universal wisdom here but what's their experience being transgender or, or living with a mental health disorder of some sort, growing up with a disability or a different ethnic background, religious belief. There are so many things that we could explore and learn from each other in the ways that we're different. And what this really is about is creating a safe space. So, um, so I figured the best thing I could do was try to help this, nourish this, nurse it to a place where it could grow strong, stand on its own feet one day and even not be me as the messenger boy anymore. Yeah. But, um, but it's been a beautiful thing. 
and it just grew slowly. We started in Denmark, we moved on to uh, Norway and, and Portugal and, and uh, Hungary, and, and then slowly, slowly. It also took a while to find out how do we make this sustainable. Yeah, uh, it took a while to to get some resources for the work. It took a long time to raise funds, simply because a lot of people said, "Wow, this is great," but that's not where we are right now. Yeah. So maybe we were a bit ahead of our time. Sure. Because I see now the demand is is tremendous. And, um, well, and, and the good thing about that, I think, Nick, is it took us a while to get here, but we're well prepared. We know what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, we've got our methodology down. We've got our training down. We've got our supervising down. We've got our approach to building infrastructure in local communities down. We know how to do this in a sustainable way so that local book uh, chapters of the human library can serve our readers around the world in years and years and help, you know, create mm. these safe spaces. So it's been a, a journey worth uh, doing to become wiser uh, on this journey on how we can help this platform. And I think we're very close to uh, soon being able to fulfill its full potential. Well, maybe not its universal potential, but at least the potential we can reach within my lifetime. Yeah. We're getting much closer to that. That's so beautiful. I, it's it's when I found out about it, I was like, oh my god, this is what I what I'm trying to do with this podcast because especially in my country, there's just been a lot of hatred and ignorance surrounding gender and religion and every other ethnic group. Ever just so much going on, and I've been fortunate enough to travel and spend extended periods of time in other countries and it's just incredible when you get to meet somebody and listen to them and hear their story hear where they come from and the similarities that you find even with somebody who grew up on a farm in africa and i grew up in a farming community in ohio there's very similar aspects to your life that are really incredible when you put those together and you actually sit and listen to that person's story. So when I saw the human library, I was just like, this is such a amazing and necessary idea. And I love that. It's just that sit and have a conversation, ask and learn about somebody. It's so, it's so basic to what we need to do as humans, but it's so out there to some people to actually sit and talk to somebody who is different than them. Quote unquote. Yeah. Sure. And, and well, sure. And some might also say, like one of my staff said, wow, that's a neat podcast you're going on. Beautifully human. You're not going to get a lot of critical questions on there. <laughs> and I said, sure. I mean, well, I'm not afraid of any critical questions. But but then I went on to think, sure. I mean, who's listening to this podcast? It's obviously people that seek good news that want to be inspired. And, you know, I, I listen to uh, part of some of your other guest episodes to just get a feel for the show. And, you know, and I realized what you just said is, is very true. Uh, you're also seeking to challenge perceptions and challenge our prejudices and, and try to go beyond the stigma and show what's underneath the surface so we can, you know, get to the bottom of things and maybe even hear it from the horse's mouth. That's part of the exercise of inviting people on your show, I guess. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's yeah, why... So that's why I ask 
the story of your life because I can I can perceive from the outside or what I see online of what your life looks like to me, but that isn't your story. It's not fair for me. I don't I won't do it justice because I don't know you. I haven't lived your life. So that's why I love just sitting back and listening to stories of people. Well, and I think it's a good thing you're doing. I think it's a good thing you're making space for people to, to share. But the people you're reaching um, was the thought my I was going to end up with before on my uh, my coworker was that potentially uh, we're reaching the congregation. Uh, right. We're not reaching the people that are not willing to sit down and have the chat, like you just mentioned, Nick. Right? Yeah. You know, and that's really who I want to reach. Yeah. I want to reach the people that are fearful, that are afraid. Uh, that are less open to to things that are strange or different, but don't have access to challenge their own fears in a safe space. So that's the space that we're trying to create, something that simulates or emulates your local library, where you walk in and you go up to the desk, and instead of borrowing a book, you, you meet a librarian, you get a library card, there are simple rules to follow, but instead of getting a book, you simply get a human you get a person that volunteers to sit and talk with you about their way of being in the world, sharing their story with you and allowing you to explore, explore them and their life experiences. And I think it's the same thing that you're uh, giving sort of opportunity for on your podcast, although less interactive in the sense that the only one that can ask questions is you. Right. And you don't do that a lot. You're more into sort of sharing and commenting and that's fine. But, but I'm just, I'm, but I'm, but I'm, you know, and I think these spaces are important. And the reason why I wanted to come on to your show is because even though I'm, a, I know that a lot of really already well-meaning and well-doing and, and positive people are going to be listening. I also want to inspire them, you know, and, and, yeah. and sort of be, if I can in any way, help reaffirm that their commitment to working um, towards a more positive and open and, and accepting world is a, is one that I definitely also support. Uh, and I'm part of that work, you could say, and part of that journey. And so is the library. And, and obviously, we welcome all great resources. But ideally, I would love, you know, people that want to vote for Trump or are members of the NRA and many others, all kinds of diverse people to come down and try this with many different backgrounds, yeah. not just the ones that look like you and me or feel the same like you and I do, or have the privilege of having traveled, which is less than 15% of the population in right. the US that have a passport. So you've been out there, you know what intercultural learning means. I know that. But people that have never been outside their county, their state, or you know, even maybe just their the area they live in, right? they don't know. And, and how can we show them that on our podcast or on Zoom or I don't know. I think we need to get into those communities yeah. with offerings and we need to get close to these people and we need to get these opportunities closer to them. So that's what we're doing right now is we're working hard on trying to build more book depots, get more books on the bookshelf and just create as many opportunities as possible for the community to connect with each other. Yeah, I love that. That's so true. Um, and I do see that with, with the, the audience of my podcast. I do know most of the people that listen are doing the work or at least like in the mindset of doing the work. But my target is where I come from. I come from a small town in Ohio that is very Republican, very closed-minded. And 
I, I don't know if they listen. I hope people there do and people like them listen as well. But that's definitely my target. That That's where I'm going with these conversations that hopefully people will come in and just say, wow, I haven't heard of this person. I don't know this person. I want to listen. But I do love the the physical application of, yeah, going in and maybe you're you've never spoken to a gay man before and you just want to know anything about them, they can go to your library and check that out. I think it's so, so cool. Such a beautiful, beautiful concept. Thank you. Well, I, I think it's very beautiful. I think the most beautiful part is the people that volunteer to be published by us. You know, the, the people that come in and shake and say, I have the courage to share what it costs me dearly to learn. Yeah. Um, we try sometimes to say this is an opportunity to turn stigma into strength or turn disability into ability. Because in our library, it's it's the reason why you're a star. Yeah. You're a star because you overcame all this adversity. And now you have the capacity and the reflection to sit, the energy, the surplus energy to sit and share with strangers what it took from you to do this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's so big. And I, and I know part of, part of the reason I wanted to start this is to, to get my story out a little bit. I coming up on three years ago, I was at the beginning stages of liver failure because I was a massive alcoholic and drank myself to death. So I know the power in telling stories and for people to hear those stories and gather strength from that. So I wanted to find a community of people that have been through shit that want to come out and just say, this is what I've been through. Here's my practical application. And this is what I've done to find strength and, and hopefully inspire other people who might be going through it. Like I was when I was going through it and I was hiding bottles all over the place and just being completely reckless with myself. So yeah, I think it's really beautiful for anybody to come volunteer to be a book and just constantly share because all these topics can be really hard to talk about alcoholism or just any difference that, that you've been made to feel bad or could feel bad about. And it's well, your own, it's your own weakness, isn't it, Nick? I mean, it's, you're, you're putting yourself out there when you're exposing that you had an excessive use of alcohol. Yeah. You were involved in something like that. And I heard that on one of the episodes earlier, you sharing that. And in our library, you could be an open book on that. You know, you could be the sober alcoholic. Might even you could become a local bestseller in your community. Yeah. Um, because obviously people need advice. They need they need to see others who who made it, who overcame what they need to overcome or who can help them better understand how they support a friend who's in a similar situation that you're in. Yeah. You'd be amazed the reasons people come to the human library, yeah. why they borrow their book. It's not only to challenge their unconscious bias. It's also for an element of peer group education, you know, for, yeah. for transformative learning. How can I support my, my, my child who's bipolar or my friend who's drinking too much or how can i be an ally to my my you know girlfriend who's transitioning uh into right. um you know so in many ways of life we need to mirror each other yeah we need to reflect we need a place to mirror so um you're providing that in a way by sharing your journey uh from from you know drinking yourself to death to becoming 
a sober uh, alcoholic, but you're going to be an alcoholic your whole life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I have a book in London. His name is Ben. And beyond your, I mean, the color of your hair, the two of you might have a lot in common. Yeah. Uh, you're around the same age, I think. He's got a lot of tattoos on him. He's got long hair and a beard. And he had serious drinking uh, issues not long back, you know. And yeah. he's an open book in our London Book Depot in the United Kingdom. So maybe you should log on one day. Maybe here on the 13th. When we're hosting online, you should log on and borrow yeah. Ben for that. I would love that. You two, you two would have a great connection, I can tell. That's super <laughs> cool. All right. How would someone start a chapter? What, what does it look like to begin a chapter elsewhere in the world? Well, it, it doesn't happen like that. We're not, you okay. know, we're not uh, 2005 anymore. Right. Uh, what happens is we, we sort of, we assemble, we ask people to volunteer with us. And when we've assembled enough human resources in a region, then we start putting the things together. Cool. Uh, and so certain areas are, you know, by coincidence, better organized than others, because simply that's where all of the human resources appeared sooner than elsewhere. We can't chase. We don't have the resources to start. Like, for example, if you're in Dayton, Ohio, or close to Dayton, Ohio, Dayton is a is a city that could possibly host a book depot because it has enough institutions, it has enough educational institutions and libraries to support a book depot. But a book depot cannot be sustainable in a very small community because if you don't have a flow of events in there, sure. then books aren't sustained. You know, books that aren't read aren't sustainable. So you have to have a, a sort of invitations on a regular basis come in. You need to train and vet all books. You need to have this group of partners that will invite you. So you need a certain area and demographics. And it takes time. It takes yeah. time before those people appear out of the blue and say, hey, I'll be a book. I'll be a librarian. So Bay Area, Los Angeles, Chicago, New York. Uh, these are places. Fort Wayne, um, Central Indiana. I mean, we've, we've got spread out, but most of them are in bigger you know, metropolitan areas where you have a lot of potential partners that can help you uh, sustain your work. So what we would do is we'd ask everybody to volunteer, tell us what kind of role they want to play. And then as soon as we can mobilize, we will. But we've stopped um, with these local entrepreneurs. Yeah. And it's simply because the space we're creating is quite sensitive, as you can imagine. Someone is coming in, sharing up their how they were the victims of sexual abuse yeah. or incest or racism, discrimination, exclusion, stigma, um, many different very personal things. It it takes it, it it's demanding to create a framing. You need preparation. You need people that are trained. You need books that are vetted properly so that you don't publish people that aren't in mint condition, you know? So it's not just for anybody to say, hey, this sounds like a great idea. I'm going to put together uh, five different people and then I've got a human library. It doesn't work that way. It actually needs a lot more. And that's what we've learned over the years is that we've, we've got to take back the quality control of this thing and try to ensure more quality yeah. or we can't protect the people that are on the bookshelf. And that's another thing is some people then are working and, you know, God bless them if, if they are religious, um, they're working for a specific group in the community. 
And you know, I wish them all well on their journeys, but we are not a library only for people with mental health issues or LGBTQ plus or I, or we're not for people with, we're not for, we're for everyone. Right. We're for the human race, the whole mankind. So if you come to us, you're going to have to be inclusive. Right. So we'd love to help you. But if you only want to talk about mental health and that's the only topics you want to feature in your community, human library, then you're not hosting a human library. Right. You're hosting a thematic event on mental health. Yeah. And bless that event and bless you for doing that. Yes, absolutely. We kudos for doing that. We, we respect you. We support you. But we can't allow the only all-inclusive platform that brings us all together to be watered down by special interest groups. Yeah. That makes So that's why sense. we trademarked. That's why we registered. That's why we're spending resources on attorneys. It's because no matter how much we love Amnesty International, we just can't allow them to turn us into a library for refugees. Yeah. No matter how much we appreciate the interest from Christian Dior and Maison Dior in Paris, we can't allow them to host a thematic human library about mathematics because that's got nothing to do with challenging stigma or stereotypes or prejudices. And there's no diversity in talking about mathematics, is there? No. So basically, it's become, you know, 20% of the job to try and uh, communicate clearly that we're a library and we're for everyone. And when you walk in, you as the reader need to have full control of what you want. You don't have that if you only have a choice between bipolar, schizophrenia, eating disorder, self-harm, or depression. Then you can choose between many exciting mental health dimensions, which we all want to publish, and we'll bring them to our event, but we're not going to bring just them. Yeah, We're going to mix them with the Jewish book, the Muslim book, the police officer, the politician, the transgender, the homeless person, the gambler, the overweight person, and the guy who looks like 80s rock and roll and has got hair all the way down to his butt, yeah. you know? <laughs> because you think, oh, wait, dude, you're like caught in a time capsule. What's your topic? Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding. I mean, Nick, we need to do this because yeah, everything else, absolutely. everything else is out there. You can go anywhere to an HIV coalition or something, and they'll help you get in touch with somebody who can help you understand people with HIV. And the same thing goes with homeless and mental health and many, many other ethnic communities, religious communities, you know. So why should we convert this one, this single platform, which is one of the few out there in the world that seeks to unite all of us? Yeah. So I, we've got to take time to stop them from doing that. And so we do that. But other than that, we're pushing on and pushing on. Yeah. And, um, and it's going really well. We've just had a, a love storm on Instagram last week with uh, 400,000 uh, people liking our, the idea of our library. Amazing. Yeah, we've got, uh, you know, loads of, of invitations to come out and publish. And we're getting into a lot of different talks with both funding partners, investors, local authorities, local communities about building more infrastructure, which is obviously my big mission. Yeah, More infrastructure, more books, more opportunity to read, 
And then our, our, our baby is the human library online, which is the future where you, no matter if you're in Ohio or Pennsylvania or Copenhagen uh, in Denmark, you could log on and request a book with a topic that you're curious about. Yeah. And then, like you and I are here sort of on this podcast, but also on Zoom. Could be similar to you and I having this one on one right here. Yeah. You know? And not recording it and not having everybody else listening. Afterwards. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, obviously, the impact of, of everything shutting down was detrimental to us and to our activities because up until that happened, we're primarily a face to face initiative. Yeah. We had, we had not done that much online at that stage. And so COVID forced us to test and try out new ways to meet our readers and sort of continue our work. Uh, also, I think we would have died out. Like I said earlier, if you don't have a flow of events, you're not going to have any books. You're not going to sit there and just wait for years right. for readers to show up. You know, they got there are other things they can then volunteer for and help their community with. And, you know, I would I would also think they should go and do that if we did not have any publishing opportunities. So we were successful in, in, in sort of converting our physical format into an online format and have welcomed readers at hundreds of events since. It's been incredibly busy, uh, especially with many of our corporate partners, mm. because I think obviously many uh, office workers and others, other industries were sent home. And so these video sessions became uh, very, you know, sought after. Yes. And a lot of our partners were, you know, keen to invite us to come and, and do the same thing online that we typically would have done in real life. Um, and so that's been great. You know, we've, we've been in and, and many new partners also looking for online opportunities uh, found their way to us. So I actually, I truly believe that we're coming out of this thing much stronger. Beautiful. We've also managed to unify our books across the world. Not all of them. Yeah. But all of the ones that sort of have a language in common could join. And so we've got books from Belgium and and, and Malaysia and England and Scotland and US and Canada. And, you know, just all coming together in one big book depot where before we were storing them locally, you know. They were being stored on a local bookshelf and they would interact mostly with books from other book depots, uh, uh, members of the, of the same book depot. Right. So if you're if you remember in Los Angeles, uh, you would know mostly of the librarians and the books from the Los Angeles Human Library Book Depot. And the same now people in L.A. are connecting with Indiana. Indiana is connecting with London. Uh, London is connecting with. And it's just, it's been beautiful to see how our family sort of has grown in this way. And people are becoming friends across borders like yeah. you did, you know, when you came over and, and started traveling. It's just, you know, the wonderful feeling of making friends from another country with yes. a different cultural background. You get that global connection and of belonging in the world and, you know, having so much in common as, as human beings, you know, no matter what kind of background we grew up in, we actually have more in common than what's keeping us apart. Right. And so when you, when you realize the value of that, it's just gratifying. And I think a lot of our books, um, whether they were from the Bay Area or, um, um, you know, Indiana or whatever state, 
they just also had a you know big value from connecting with people that weren't just from their local book depot but actually you know part of the human library elsewhere in the yeah made it even more meaningful uh, and less lonely in this time of isolation right to get out there and get published and meet so many readers and answer all those questions and sort of still play a positive role and contribute to cohesion in the community when we were being so isolated from each other. So I think this whole period has just given us all more meaning and more strength and more, especially more, um, what do we call that fuel on our engine, more conviction Yeah, that we're on the right path here because the response we're getting is tremendous. Nick. I mean, this is, you know, I, I know we're free service to most, but it's uh, just because it's free doesn't mean it isn't valuable, my friend. Right. And that you can really benefit from using this service. I promise you, you will. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That That's kind of your, your mission of like moving towards going online. And then this year, we all had to go online to have connection, to have meaningful conversations, to see friends, to see family, to virtually travel or whatever it may have been. So it's it's really... Yeah, we, we, we all had to, to learn. Yeah. We all had to take that step forward into the virtual world to to feel somewhat kind of normal to to see people. We had dinner parties with friends every Thursday night. We'd all order dinner and or make dinner and then we'd get together and we'd play trivia or something. It was really nice to just like feel that kind of connection even though it was staring into a computer screen. Yeah. Yeah, that's so awesome. I, I, I just, it's such a, such a wonderful concept. And I, I'm so thankful that, that you came on here to chat with me about this. Absolutely, Nick. My pleasure. You know what? I, I, I had an idea many years ago, but I had never, you know, I knew this had global appeal because, you know, who's welcome at the library? Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. What's the agenda there? When you ask yourself, what's the agenda at the library? It's in your hands, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, the library itself might run a theme. Hell, that theme could even be Western. Yeah. Or <laughs> could be anything. Right. It could be a certain act, uh, author. It could be a certain topic. It could be Black History Month. You know, the, there could be many exhibitions at the library and thematic things. But the agenda is in your hands. When you go in there, the whole world of information is at your feet and you decide what to do with it. Right. I want to leave the same freedom in the hands of our readers. We're not going to be able to have a thousand books there, but we're going to have enough diversity on our bookshelf for you to make an, a, a, an honest choice. What do you want to read? Who would you like to meet? And then, you know, sit down, meet that person and do with the information what you want to do with it. There's no preset agenda here. You're not supposed to come in, uh, feeling one way and walk out feeling another way or feeling the same you're it's up to you the takeaways are entirely in your hands because you're in charge nick your question your courage your curiosity is going to guide you through your human library readings i can only promise you when you come out on the other side you're going to be wiser you're going to be i don't know if you're going to be a better person (laughs) i don't know if you're going to be more empathetic I don't know if you're going to be an ally to anybody or less or more of an ally. I don't know if you're going to be more political correct after. And none of that is really important to me personally. You're going to be wiser no matter what happens, no matter what your outcomes are, you're going to be wiser after your visit. 
to the human library. That's what I can promise. Yeah. Um, and if you read enough books, one of the outcomes that I have experienced myself uh, is a an elevated understanding of the ways in which we human beings are different and how this has prevented us from utilize our resources to the benefit of all of us and how I'm not gonna let that prevent me from being able to activate those resources. Because having that diversity at my availability, being able to navigate and engage with confidence with groups that are different from me makes me a lot more powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And so true. successful and appreciated. And, and I just feel rich. I feel rich. <laughs> yeah. That's so in, a, in a human way, not financially though. I don't feel right. very rich. Yeah. You're not going to get rich giving away books for free, dude. That's exactly. not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not the best business model to do it for free. That's but... not the best business model. But then again, it wasn't this, it wasn't a, a mission of gold or fame. Yeah. It was more a mission of, of, of compassion or wanting to, you could say, make a difference in life. You know, yeah. I could have sold bars. I could have been a, probably some smart, something else researcher or, done very well with journalism and written a bunch of books or articles and instead i decided that this was the vehicle that i wanted to help with because i thought when i realized all of it i realized there's nothing like it and yeah. i've never seen anything this powerful ever and i don't think there's going to be something that comes right after that's going to help us create social change and help us better understand each other in a more efficient way than this right away right so, you know, so let's start embedding this. And I thought another thing was, since the library as an institution has been around thousands of years, and it's sort of universal to all of our cultures, there's no reason why we couldn't embed this in North Korea, mm. in Lebanon, yeah, in Israel, in Palestine, in, in South Africa. There's no boundaries to it. It can yeah. go anywhere. Yeah. It's already got that, that trust of a library. Exactly. And I think that wrapping disarms many people when they come in. They don't think they're going in to get brainwashed, and they're not. Right. They're going in for an opportunity to explore diversity, and it's up to them where that takes them and what kind of takeaways they get up, yeah. they end up with. But it's, but it's all in their hands. We're just providing that opportunity. We're also trying to ensure quality in that in opportunity, and more, more importantly, to protect our books at all times. Yeah. Uh, we're doing that because. These people trust us. Uh, they, they come to us to share and be a resource for their community. And we want to make sure that they're in good hands. Yeah. Love it all so much. Um, I have two final questions for you. Uh, first one, and I, I, we've covered a lot of it, but the first one is, what would you want the world to know about you, Ronnie? Ooh. Well, I'd want the world to know that I am fulfilled. I'm 48 years old. I had two beautiful kids. Got a beautiful girlfriend now. Lost my wife eight years ago, unfortunately. Oh, um, and a tragic story. But, um, but I am fulfilled in the sense that the love that we felt for this library, the recognition, the invitations from some of the biggest companies in the world to work with them 
on their diversity, equity, and inclusion journeys, the the TED Talks, the the awards, all of that, I'm fulfilled. I'm I'm in a way so happy now with what we've achieved that everything that comes from here is just bonus on top. Because yeah. I think it's been it's just been tremendous, uh, and I I love seeing my vision and my dream come true every day. I feel like I'm living a dream, Nick. I'm not kidding you. I mean, obviously, I'm aging and everything. I'm losing my hair. It's frustrating. <laughs> but um, but I feel like I'm living a dream. I can't believe it. Yesterday, Oxford University reaches out and asks us to partner. Wow. You know, tomorrow, we're going on Good Day LA Live on Fox. That's amazing. Are you kidding me? This is just fun all the way. And every day is a fun day right now. And we're helping make a difference. And yes. I'm incredibly privileged and humbled because... I could be working with things much less stimulating for me, and I'm just very, very happy to be doing this. Yeah, and happy to be spreading the word of something so positive and such a win-win for everyone. Because if you look at this, the books win from an opportunity to explain who they are and better understand the people around them. Yeah. The readers win because they can diffuse and dismantle, and you know, maybe even gain a friend. Who knows? Yeah. Community wins because we all like each other better, understand each other better, work together better, live together better. Nobody can lose from this library. Yeah. Even if we agree to disagree, as long as we agree to disagree with respect from each other for each other, we win. Yeah. So we can't lose. Yeah. We just got to get everybody to come down to the library. Right. <laughs> yes. I will be spreading the library around to everybody that I possibly can. Ever since I heard about it, I have told so many people about it because it is just so brilliant. It's so beautiful. And now hearing about it, I'm all jazzed up about it too. I just, I think it's so brilliant. So brilliant. Um, last question. If you had the ear of everybody in the world, what would you say to them? I say to them, don't, don't be afraid of anything that's different from you. Be curious. Learn before you judge. Yeah. So important. Just educate yourselves. Exactly. On, on all all things, but especially on humans. We've got to stick together. We've got to come together. We, I think we all fall into the trap of our survival instinct misleading us. You know, it, the survival instinct makes your calculations before your brain really is catching up to speed. Yeah. It's way ahead of you. It makes the assessment whether that person in front of you is potentially dangerous or not. Once you get past that gateway, you start down the ladder, graduating down the ladder. Is the person contagious? Is the person somebody I want to socially engage with? Is the person someone that looks like me or someone I would have something in common with? And you know, all these calculations ends up with you putting people in boxes yeah. and printing little labels, which you could, in a way, invisibly stick on their foreheads. Right. Uh, if we're all sensitized to the fact that we do this, Stop being ashamed of it, take responsibility for it, and revisit those judgments as often as you can. Yeah. Then you're going to be all right. Yeah. So you're not going to miss out on great relations with your neighbor that you thought was an idiot. But when you got to know him, it turned out he was a hell of a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes first impressions are misleading. Totally. So have the courage also to revisit them, you know, because remember those first impressions are often based on that quick mathematical formula, making that really quick assessment, not based on anything real. Yeah. 
just experience and, and what you think you know. But once you get to know people, that image will change right away. So give them a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then I think, you know, in, in closing, if I'm to say anything for your listeners in the United States, a country which I really in many ways uh, admire and respect for many of the accomplishments you guys have done, but you're in a special situation, I think, because you've been torn apart by politics for a while where none of the politicians seem to be talking into something of a unifying agenda. Right. And I'm not going to be saying anything bad about anybody because that's not my, you know, as a library, I don't have an opinion. Right. But it's, 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 it's pained me to see uh, a place where I used to live uh, where people seem to be able to sort of agree to disagree, but still find ways of solving problems, finding compromises and getting along, you know, and having quality in our lives, uh, get to a level of polarization where they don't even want to sit down and talk to each other. Yeah. I think that's a shame. Yeah. And I don't want to shame anybody, but I think it's a shame for the lost opportunity to evolve, to develop, to all become smarter so that I better understand why you feel that way, why you support Trump, why you support Biden, why you want this or that for your community, you know? But if we don't talk about it, uh, we're not going to get anywhere. Right. So I think we should get back to to sitting down and not being afraid of, of disagreeing and listening to each other's points of view and finding ways to, you know, find ways where we're all feel that our points of view are also listened to and yeah. that the interests we have in our community are somehow accommodated. And I think it's possible to find a way forward together. It doesn't have to be. Uh, one way or the other, it doesn't have to be black or white or whatever we want to call it. There are so many shades of gray, and that's what our diversity is all about, embracing those shades of gray in a non-sexual matter. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 That, cool, Nick. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. This has been so great, Ronnie. I, I truly appreciate your taking the time to chat with me and share just the brilliance and the wisdom and the beauty that you're putting out in the world. It's been It's been fantastic. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. I appreciate it. I, uh, nothing I'd rather do and contribute to uh, the beautiful work you're trying to do. And in this way, we we all give it a push forward, man. That's right. So Absolutely. So all right, brother. Have a beautiful rest of your night. You too. Stay safe, man. You too. Cool. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Beautifully Human podcast. To hear more beautiful stories from beautiful humans, follow us on Spotify and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at the Beautifully Human Podcast. Peace signs up.